This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted as always to be here with you. I'm recording today on what is here in New Jersey, a, a very chilly, very gray, very rainy weekend. And I bring that up um Mostly to apologize in advance if you hear any rain falling in the background. So, you know, I, as longtime listeners know, um, I do not record this in any kind of professional recording studio. I record in my closet. I have carved out a little space for myself in my walk-in closet because it is really the, 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 I, this is the place in the house where I get the best sound quality. I live in a very old house with hardwood floors and very high ceilings. So there's a real echo effect. That happens when I try to record in other rooms. But of course, I don't have real professional soundproofing in here. I mostly rely on my clothing to act as a kind of of natural, insulating, soundproofing material. And that only takes you so far. So when it's really raining, you can hear the rain falling against the walls of the house or on, on the roof. And sometimes because my microphone is sensitive, it picks that up as well. So hopefully, if you do hear some rain in the background, that will not be anything that is too disturbing to your listening experience. You know, I, I was, it's funny, I was actually reading an article recently, and, and now I don't remember where. But Sigourney Weaver and James Cameron were working together on a commentary track, I believe, for Avatar, for a new, you know, yet another edition of the Avatar DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. My my husband would know the difference between these things as he is a DVD product reviewer. Anyway, um, so because of COVID they and quarantine, they were not able to work together in a recording studio. And Sigourney Weaver, much like me, created a kind of ad hoc recording studio for herself in her closet. She and her assistant created what she called a tunnel of clothing. But she said that frequently when it rained, you could also you could still hear the rain falling in the background as she was recording. And apparently, James Cameron w- was really enchanted by this. He he loved the sound of the rain falling in the background as Sigourney Weaver was talking, and did not try to filter it out of their recording. So, if it's good enough for Sigourney Weaver and James Cameron, then hopefully it is good enough for me and for you guys. And I of course thank you as always for your patience as I uh, still work through the the technical issues of creating and producing my own podcast every week. And I'm going to just jump right in to this week's podcast with a question from reader Rana Miller-Owen. And and this is the first question I'll be answering today. So I'm going to be answering Rana's question. And then I'm going to be talking about an issue that is not necessarily in response to any one email that I have received from a reader, but is a subject that has come up repeatedly in multiple emails that I have received from readers over the years, most recently this past week, and I don't want to be too mysterious about it. 
But this is an issue that affects all of us as cat guardians. So I hope you'll stick around and I look forward to a lively discussion on the issue. But first, I'm going to go to the question from reader Ronna Miller-Owen, who wants to know if I have ever created any silly nicknames for my cats. And I'm sure you know ahead of time, my listeners, that uh, the answer to that question is a resounding yes. We, We are kind of a silly nickname household. I should proceed this by saying that my husband, Lawrence, is really the king of nicknames. Uh, He almost exclusively calls me by various nicknames that he has for me that I am not going to share here. But I like to joke that I really only ever hear my husband say my name when he is upset, when he is angry at me. So hearing my name come out of my husband's mouth is almost always a slightly startling experience for me. And that is actually true. He disputes this. He he thinks that he calls me by my name in general conversation, or if he's just calling me around the house, like, like hey, where are my socks or whatever. But it really is almost never by my actual name. It is almost exclusively by various nicknames that he's given me. Uh, Again, that I am not going to repeat here because although I'm a memoirist and my life is almost literally an open book, there should be some things that are kept sacred between husband and wife. Uh, But yeah, when I hear him say my name, it always startles me a little bit. And I always find it kind of ironic because my husband is a Lawrence who is not a Larry. He is just not a Larry. So... I have my own pet names and nicknames for him, but you would think that a guy who is so into the giving of nicknames and who has a name like Lawrence, which just seems to lend itself to the obvious nickname of Larry, that he would be that he would be a Larry. Uh, but he is not. This is actually one of the first things I learned about him. And I think before I even met him, uh, the friend who introduced us warned me, look, he's a Lawrence. He is not a Larry. And I have been mindful of that for these past 20 years. But anyway, getting back to nicknames for the cats. So, you know, I always had my affectionate nicknames for the cats. Those of you who read Homer's Odyssey know that I used to call Homer uh, my little Homer bear. That was my big nickname for him. Uh, Scarlet was Scarlet Sita or Scarlet Sita Bonita, which really grew out of Miami. And I adopted when I adopted Scarlet, I was living in Little Havana and adding an ita or ito at the, in Spanish to the end of a name or a word means little, but it, it's kind of a way of, you know, like, like the classic example would be Ava Perón was Evita. And, and so that was a way of making her name into an affectionate nickname by adding the ita at the end. So, so Scarlet became Scarletcita. Uh, Bonita means pretty. So Scarletcita Bonita was my pretty little Scarlet. Uh, Vashti was my Vashti Vash, my Vashti girl. I used to call her Squeaker. Uh, because she never really had a full-throated meow. And so she was, she would squeak She she when she wanted to express herself. The only time she really had a full-throated meow was when she was in the carrier going to the vet's office. And then she was very unhappy. And, and we definitely heard from her. But other than that, she she just had these little squeaks. And, and for a long time, I wondered if maybe there was something wrong with her vocal cords because she did not have... I thought, a full-throated meow. It was really not until, as an adult, I brought her to the vet for a routine exam and, and, and heard her very distinctive cry of displeasure at finding herself in the carrier and at the vet's office that I realized that there was nothing wrong with her vocal cords. She just, uh, she was soft-spoken, so to speak, uh, for, by, in, in, by, by cat standards. She was a soft-spoken cat 
but I used to call her Squeaker or Squeaky or sometimes I called her Squeaker From. You know, so those are my silly nicknames for her. But really, it's it's for Fanny and Clayton that we have the most silly nicknames. And again, I, I put that down to my husband to a certain extent because he is a nickname guy. He he is just one of those people who likes to give nicknames. And so uh, Fanny, our cat Fanny, is uh, Fanikins or Ms. Fanikins or Fandemonium or Fanny Pants. Uh, those are our, our big nicknames for her. And Clayton is Clayton, Claytonian, uh, Clayman, Claymeister. I'm not, I, I'm not sure where that comes from, uh, but but the Claymeister is big in our house. And also variations on Stumpy, I, I have to say. you know, So Clayton is a three-legged cat, and he is missing one of his hind legs. And he definitely has a, a stumpy little run, like a stumpy little hippity-hoppity run. Basically, when Clayton runs, it, it, it looks very much like a bunny hop. It, it is possibly the cutest thing in the entire world. And I say this... After a lifetime of, of cuteness with cats and kittens, both my own and, and the many thousands that I have seen in, in shelters and rescue organizations that I have visited over the years, um, I can say with a certain degree of confidence that the Clayton's little stumpy, hippity hoppity, three-legged run might actually be the cutest thing in the whole world. I, I believe that that is, is possibly the case. And so... We we call him Stumpy or Stumpy um, or the Stump Man or my my little Stumpmeister or my little Stumpy boy. Uh, you know, it, it's the kind of thing. Honestly, if he were a person who was missing a leg, I I don't think that that we would call him Stumpy or Stumpy. It, it no matter how affectionate, it's the kind of thing that you you would have to be on extremely close and loving terms with someone for them to know that that was intended to be an affectionate nickname and not not in any way making fun of of their difference or or their condition. Um Clayton of course, I don't think Clayton knows that he is any different. You know, look, he his he has known two other cats basically over the course of his life. There was Homer, uh who I'm not even sure he remembers, you know, Homer died 8 years ago. Um and so I always wonder that if, if Clayton has any memory of Homer, but there was Homer and there's Fanny. And Homer, of course, was blind. And and so Fanny is the only quote unquote normal cat. Um, normal. I don't really like using the word normal because I don't think of Homer or Clayton as having been abnormal. But Fanny is the only cat that Clayton has lived with who is not in any way differently abled, let's say. And so I... You know, to, and I really don't think that that honestly, I mean, they're cats, so I just don't think they think about these things at all. I think the most that Clayton knows is that there are things that Fanny can do that Clayton can't do quite as well. Uh, Fanny is a really, really good jumper. Even by cat standards, Fanny is an incredible jumper and, and can reach really exceptional heights uh, and, and just gets everywhere in the house. And Clayton, of course, cannot quite keep up with her in that regard. But on a straight surface, he can run just as fast as she can. And so I think it, you know, I think it's more that he knows there are places Fanny goes that he can't follow her. Fanny certainly knows this. And when she wants some privacy and or just to be left alone by Clayton, who is a very playful cat and is not always respectful of others' boundaries, uh, Fanny will 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 go to certain high perches in the house, safe in the knowledge that Clayton cannot follow her there. 
Uh, but before wrapping this up, I, I will say that 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 Stumpy is my own personal favorite nickname for Clayton. And every time when, when Lawrence and I leave, uh, and this has not happened as much during quarantine, obviously, but when we leave the house for, for hours and come back, you know, three, four, five, eight, ten hours later, uh, it is always Clayton who immediately who's there to greet us at the door. And the first thing I always say upon entering is Stumpy. And uh, sorry, that was very high pitched. Uh, and and his little tail just springs up and and vibrates so strongly as soon as he hears me say it. And it, it really is. I know he knows that it's the thing I say when I'm just so happy to see him. And and so I like that. I like that there is a nickname that I call him that's not just silly or entertaining or even just that he responds to. But I do love that there is this one name for Clayton that he knows just means I'm so happy to see him and and so pleased with him. And it makes him so happy to hear it. And and it is a nice little thing between the two of us, just like the nicknames that my husband and I have for each other that we throw around when we are especially pleased with each other serve that same purpose. You know, there there are things that my husband calls me when I hear him say it, it, it just makes me happy because I know it means that he is happy when he is using that particular nickname. And I will say, and this will be spilling the tea a little bit on my parents, but my mother's name is Barbara. And my father, uh, when he was especially pleased with my mother, when he was in an especially good or jovial mood, would call her Bobby. And I always thought that was really nice when I was growing up. He didn't call her Bobby all the time, but it, the 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 moments when he did, you know, the, the days when he called her Bobby were were always great high days in our family. Those were always good good days, and and it is a nice thing to remember now. So thanks so much to Ronna Miller-Owen again for submitting this week's question. And don't forget that if you would like to submit a question or comment that you would like to hear me answer or respond to or address in some way on a future episode of Curl Up With a Cattail, or if you have a question for our upcoming guest, Cy Montgomery, author Cy Montgomery, I'm going to be interviewing her actually tomorrow. And hopefully we will have that interview for you for the next episode of Curl Up With a Cattail. And if you have any questions you would like to hear me ask her, uh, go ahead and shoot me an email at Gwen, G-W-E-N, at GwenCooper.com. Or you can head over to my website, GwenCooper.com, leave a comment, leave a suggestion, leave a question, leave anything you like in that comment section on the page for my podcast. I do check it regularly. And if you go there and take a look, you will see that I respond to all of the comments that I get there. And so I, of course, will respond to yours as well. I'd also like to take a moment and thank all of my new patrons on Patreon. And again, Patreon is a way for you guys to support the work that I do and help me stay independent, both of traditional publishers and also corporate advertisers and sponsors here on this podcast. But it's also a fun way to get really cool stuff. Um, and it's everything from seeing your name included in the acknowledgments page of a book that I publish to getting to see excerpts of books in progress. Um, you can get early copies of books, ebooks, 
uh, audiobooks. You can also listen to the patron-only bonus podcast, Lawrence Loves Gwen. And and that's a podcast that Lawrence and I do every other week, and it's a lot of fun. And I also have a special column, uh, Gwen's Catnips, that I only write for patrons. And you can come on for as little as $3 a month. You can have access to some of those things, including uh, the photos and the writing that I do that are for patrons only. Um, and you can find my Patreon page just by going to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Gwen Cooper. And of course, one of the really fun things about being a patron on Patreon is that you get to hear me give you a shout out on my podcast. And so with no further ado, here are my shout outs this week to this week's new patrons. And I think I'm starting if I and if I mispronounce your name, by all means, please do not hesitate to send me an email and let me know that I've mispronounced your name because I, I, I will certainly make a point of correcting it on the next podcast. Uh, I just hate the thought that I may be doing so. So a big thanks and shout out go to Kelly Johnson, Elaine Harcourt, Trisha Yost, Rebecca Lynn, Kaylee Quimby, Andrea Digney, Kay Carpet, Jeffrey Lewis, Tamara Jacobs, Rosa Rocha, Charles Brackney, Mary De La Cruz, Julie Garrett, Allison Walls, Patty, last name withheld. Uh, this one is actually just a series of initials and, and is not a name. HFA 6368, uh, which I'm only reading so that you do not think that you are being left out. But if you would like to write to me and let me know what your actual name is, I will, of course, happily read it on a future episode of Curl Up with a Cattail. Teresa England, Suzanne Ann Cadlick, Catherine Birch, Kathleen Winger, Samantha Green, Louisa Lee, Amy Norris, Zoe Shino, Deborah Visvari, Dave, last name withheld, Sylvia Walker, Ronna Miller Owen, L. Shannon Carter, Wendy Lynch, Calvin and Eileen Kaiser, Aldona Bermontis, Heather Hambrick, Stephanie Peters, Margaret Ald Louie, Kathy Schicklichthernline. I, I hope I am pronouncing that correctly. If I am not, please let me know. Sarah Hakes, Angela Carter, Amy Neal, Carol Copeland, Debbie Bradley, Ruth McAfee Sharbach, Jill Graves, Wesley Atkinson, Emily Stafford, Jean, last name withheld. Meg, last name withheld, and Laveda Malu. Thank you so much again to all of you for your support on Patreon. And I actually look forward to having um, some really fun stuff for you guys coming up this week, including a new episode of Lawrence Loves Gwen, an excerpt from a book that I am working on right now. And within the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be offering a 50% discount to all patrons on all merchandise in the official Homer merchandise store. And that is going to include all the fun t-shirts that we've done over the years, the Homer t-shirts, but also the world's best cat mom. And my cat is cuter than your kid. And I would push you in front of zombies to save my cat. And just tons and tons of t-shirts that we've done over the years uh, are our, our very popular Gimme Shelter tea. And we also have tote bags, mugs, all kinds of fun stuff. It's, it's a new season coming up. 
and definitely a time for 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 new clothes, new t-shirts, new tank tops, new tote bags to carry around with us. And so there's going to be a patrons only 50% off sale on all merchandise in the store. I will be sending out details to patrons. And again, I hope some of you guys decide to check that out. And right now we're going to take a very short break of just a few moments. So sit back, get comfortable and stay tuned for more Curl Up With a Cattail. much for sticking around. And today I want to discuss a topic that is something that I've written about before, and I actually find it to be a a pretty important topic. And if I actually had to put a number on things, I would say that probably this one subject is the one that I have heard from more than any, almost more than any other individual subject from readers over the years. And this gets into the issue of, of elder care or medical care for our cats. And I, I cannot tell you how many people I've heard from over the years who have written to me saying, I need thousands of dollars to provide this expensive health care for my cat who has cancer or kidney disease or, or some other older cat issue, or saying, I have spent thousands of dollars on cancer surgery for my cat, and now I cannot afford to pay my mortgage. Please help me. Or people who have said, I chose not to spend $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 on treatment for my cat, and I have felt guilty about it for days, months, years in some cases. And, And so this was something I wanted to talk about and have wanted to talk about for a while, because I, I think we, we have a little bit of mistaken thinking when it comes to this issue and, and what kind of care we are obligated to provide for our cats. And let me just say, so as not to hold anyone in suspense about where I stand on this issue, here's the thing. You know, cats are not people. And when I say that, I do not mean to say or even to imply that cats are less important than people. But I want you to keep in mind always that cats are not people. And when I point that out, what I'm trying to point out or or to remind you of is that cats think of things fundamentally differently than humans do. You should not, when making decisions for your cat, think about what would I do for my child? What would I do for my sibling? What would I do for my parent or my spouse? Your cat is none of those things. And again, my point is not that your cat is less important than any of those people how important your cat is to you or within your family is really an individual question. My cats are my family. I know that many of you listening feel the same way. Some of you may not feel quite the same way, and and that's all right. But my cats are not people. They do not think the way other family members do. And so when trying to figure out what is the best decision to make for my cat, that is the first thing to always be mindful of. You should not Ask yourself, what would I do for my child in this situation? What would I do for my spouse in this situation? Because your cat is not going to look at life the way that your child or your spouse does. And the second thing that I think bears repeating, I think we all know this and yet we forget it, 
and and we beat ourselves up for not making decisions, certain kinds of decisions, as if we did not know this fundamental truth. But your job as a cat parent, as a cat guardian, as a cat custodian, as a person who loves your cat, it is not your job to guarantee your cat a certain number of days or years Nor is it your job to guarantee that you will spend a certain amount of money to attain those days or years for your cat. Your job as a cat custodian, whether your cat's life is long or short, is to make sure that your cat feels loved and feels secure every single day of his or her life. Period. Full stop. That is your job. That is your only job. And when I say it's your only job, I don't mean to imply that it is a small job because it is not. And as we all know, and especially those of us who work in rescue know what it takes for one cat to feel loved and secure. You know, some cats, my cat Clayton, honestly, it it takes very little. Clayton, Clayton was born with the gift of feeling confident all the time. He feels secure everywhere. He loves going to the vet's office. He is happy and confident and comfortable at the vet's office I will pause for a moment to let you to let the astoundingness of that wash in. Whereas my cat Fanny is scared of of everything. She is a very timid little cat. She is afraid of her own shadow. And we all know that there are cats who have come from difficult situations and for whom it might take a little bit more work or, or a little different kind of care and attention to make them feel loved and secure. So this it, it is not a small job. It is not a small thing. My point is not, oh, you know, you get a cat, you put down some food, you pet them a few times a day, and your job is done and you're finished. That That is not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying, however, is to take a for example. I, I remember hearing a few years ago uh, from somebody who had a seven-year-old rescue cat who had cancer. And he spent $7,000 on surgery for the cat's cancer. The the cat actually ended up dying on the operating table. And he was writing to me because he did not have the money to pay his mortgage. He had spent the money paying for the surgery for his cat. You know, so so here is the thing. Look, at the end of the day, it is not my job to tell anybody how to spend their money or what their priorities should be. And yet, by the same token, because I was asked for assistance, I I do feel that I want to make the point not as a I I told you so or here's what you did wrong or or anything like that. People make decisions that seem right at the time and they, they use the best judgment that they can. But it also seems to me that somebody who is gambling their mortgage on a cat's cancer surgery is spending more money than they can afford and is doing so at least in part because they feel obligated to do so. And yes, of course, you you love a, seven, a seven-year-old cat who recovers from cancer, could potentially live another 10 years, and you want those 10 years with this cat. And I do understand that. And again, whether or not it, it's quote-unquote worth it, it is really an individual decision that families have to make. But I just would encourage everyone to never feel like they have to make this decision from a place of obligation that if you don't spend that money, if the veterinarian comes to you and says, look, there is a 60% chance, there is an 80% chance, whatever the number may be, that this cat will recover from cancer if you if you pay, you know, if you have this $5,000 surgery or if you allow us to perform this $5,000 surgery – that does not necessarily mean that you are obligated to pay that $5,000 for the surgery. Your job, your obligation 
is to make sure that your cat feels loved and secure every day of his or her life. There will come a day when your cat will be so uncomfortable that you have to consider end-of-life care, and that may come when the cat is seven years old or 17 years old or, or in some extreme cases, 27 years old. So it's always a question that's going to come up, but it is you are not obligated. You are not a bad cat parent if you don't spend the $5,000 that you don't have for surgery, potentially life-saving surgery for your cat. And and here's the thing that it is important to remember, and this is why I emphasized at the beginning that cats are not people. If, God forbid, you have a child who has cancer, of course, in that case, you are going to spend every penny you have and every penny you don't have. Any penny you can beg, borrow, or steal is going to go to your child's care, and that is understandable, and not just because your child is your child, but because it is a tragedy when a child's life is cut short, when a child does not live long enough to graduate from high school, to go to their prom, to dance at their wedding, to get their first job, to to hold your grandchild in their arms. It, not everybody has the exact same milestones over the course of their life, but it is a tragedy when all of those milestones are, are taken away. Whereas I can promise you that your cat is not thinking about all the big plans that he has for the upcoming years. Your cat is not thinking, in a few years, I'm going to graduate high school. And in a few years after that, I'm going to graduate college. And one day, I'm going to write a novel that's going to make people cry and make the world a better place. These are not the thoughts that your cat, your middle-aged cat, does not want to live long enough to dance at his grandchildren's wedding. Your elderly cat does not want another year to get his memoir and his will in order. Uh, cats live in the present. Cats know whether they feel good or bad right now. And I'm not saying the cats do not have memory because I believe that they have long memories. But your cat is not going to feel cheated out of years if you have given him or her a good string of years leading up till that moment. You know, in the context of a seven-year-old cat who has cancer, you know, this, and the person who wrote to me, this was a rescue cat. This was a cat who was not going to have a good life until this person stepped in and gave the cat a good life, a wonderful life. Every day of the seven years this man and this cat had together were filled with love. That is so much more, as we all know, than most cats are lucky enough to find in this life. And it is incredibly sad when when you only get seven years of that and, and not the 17 years that a cat who maybe lives a, a full a full span into old age would have. Those, those 10 years, it, it hurts to lose them. But if you don't have the money to pay for the surgery or if paying for the surgery jeopardizes your ability to put a roof over your own head or your family's head, it is okay not to spend that money. You are not failing. You have not failed at your job as a pet custodian. You know, just and, – and, and it's not even just a question of money. I can tell you from my own personal experience, I have had three – I've actually had four cats who have required varying degree of, of expensive, life-extending care – um, the first three, of course, are my three oldest cats, Scarlet, Vashti, and Homer. Vashti, we spent $10,000 to keep Vashti alive for another nine months. I'm, I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm going to give you the numbers. $10,000 to keep Vashti alive when she was diagnosed with chronic renal failure for another nine months. Now, 
I was in a somewhat unique position insofar as all the money that I have, I have earned writing about my cats. Also, I have no children. Also, everything I spend on my cats is tax deductible because I write about my cats for a living. So those are three unique to me situations that not, you know, most people are are not in. And so I would not necessarily advise most people to spend $10,000. We we didn't know that we were only keeping her alive for nine months as far. I mean, it, we knew at the time that we were spending money. Maybe we'd keep her alive for another three months. Maybe she would stay with us for another three years. Um, it's my, my cat's <laughs> rattling in the background, by the way, uh, trying to get into to my little recording studio. And that is Fanny, the sound of Fanny opening the door as Fanny is is equipped to do. All right, come on in, Fanny. Come on in, Fanny. Um, so, you know, I would not necessarily advise anyone or everyone to spend $10,000 to keep their cat alive for any length of time. And I would also say that with Vashti, Vashti was the kind of cat she tolerated treatment very, very well. We, She did not love having pills shoved down her throat and needles stuck into her skin. But you could tell that she knew as we were doing it that we were doing it with love. And we developed little rituals around giving her pills and shots. Um, we, we had something we called cuddle time. So after we gave her her subcutaneous fluid injections, which involved putting a needle under her skin and emptying an IV drip into her. And after we did that, we would spend an hour cuddling with her all by herself without the other two cats in bed. And she loved it. She loved cuddle time. She came to look forward to the treatments. And, and that was very specific to Vashti. Um, Scarlet, our middle cat, we, we spent about half of that. We She had cancer. We got her surgery to try to treat the cancer. This, the treatment, the, the surgery was unsuccessful. We did not want to go the route of chemotherapy or radiation nor did we, there was a possibility in, in amputating her leg that that might have stopped the spread of the cancer. And we did not do any of those things, not even because of the money, but because, again, we I earn my money writing about my cats and I have no children. So there's an argument to be made that all the money I have belongs to my cats anyway. And that is not an argument that most people, that really anyone else I know can make. But Scarlet was not a cat. She didn't tolerate treatment horribly, but she didn't tolerate it as well as Vashti. And we did not want to subject her to a lot of of treatment that might have prolonged her life, but would have done so at the expense of making her feel less safe and less loved. Um, I do not think she would have, as Vashti did, associated the treatment with love. I do not think that she would have felt safe and happy once the treatments were over. And so we did not pursue more aggressive treatment with her. And then with Homer, we spent essentially no money because Homer, and it's another long story, but Homer reacted very, very badly to treatment psychologically and emotionally. I don't mean physically. He was not a cat who could be easily treated for us to have aggressively pursued treatment for him to to shove pills down his throat and needles under his skin would have made life for all of us unbearable. Um, he would not have reacted well. I, I promise you he would have injured me. He would for sure have injured himself in fighting against the treatment. He made it very clear very early on that he did not want 
medical treatment. He did not perhaps understand the choice that he was making. I will say, though, for whatever it's worth it with all three of these cats. So we had one cat who we did everything for, one cat for whom we pursued a middle course, and one cat for whom we basically said nature is going to have to take its course on this one because he is completely resistant to all treatment. They all lived from the time that they were diagnosed with their final illnesses. They all lived another 10 months for whatever that is worth. So it almost began to feel like fate, like you can do everything or you can do nothing. But the 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 you know, the the die has been cast, basically, the the end date has been selected. And and I will, you know, for whatever it's worth, I will say that I I do believe I, I'm a strong believer in medical care and and in Western healthcare, let's say. But I also think that it is it takes a tremendous amount of hub, you know hubris to think ultimately that there is much that we can do to create or extend or prolong life. At the end of the day, uh, these really are forces so far beyond the control of mere mortal human beings. And that is also something to keep in mind. Now, I, I will say the fourth cat, of course, was Clayton. Clayton, when he was just over a year old, developed a urinary tract blockage. And because I took him I had to take him to the emergency hospital in the middle of the night. And because I took him to, and there are only two 24-hour emergency animal hospitals in Manhattan, which is one of like the five most expensive cities in the world. So I basically had to take Clayton to the most expensive animal hospital in one of the five most expensive cities in the world. And I all of a sudden found myself hit in the middle of the night, you know, three o'clock in the morning, have to, having to make the decision whether or not to spend $3,000 to have Clayton's urinary tract blockage treated. Now, of course, there was no question. I handed over my credit card immediately. Um, I only point out that it was so unusually expensive in my case because I don't want anybody facing a similar issue to think that this is routinely how much a urinary tract blockage costs to treat. I think it usually costs about half that. Now, a urinary tract blockage is one of those things that if you get your cat to the vet in time and and get the treatment in time, there's pretty much a 100% success rate, 100% recovery rate. Um, There's no reason for a cat to die of a urinary tract blockage, except, God forbid, if you in the situation where if if you don't realize that that's what's happening to your cat, and and that can be a scary thing. Um, But the point being, if you find yourself with a young cat with a very treatable condition, and you don't have the money for treatment, that I will agree is a tragedy. If if I had not been able to treat Clayton's urinary tract blockage because I had not been able to come up with $3,000 quickly, that would have been a real tragedy. This is a young, healthy cat with a very treatable condition. And it is for those kinds of circumstances that I would encourage everybody listening to this either to, if possible, and I understand that this is not possible. I mean, no one has to explain tough finances to a writer. I spent years as a struggling writer. I spent years, you know, eating the mayonnaise sandwiches without the mayonnaise, as they say, uh, before I, I sold a book and and was able to support myself with my writing. But I would encourage anybody listening, if you can have a credit card that is set aside just for emergencies, or if you can afford health insurance for your pet, and there are very affordable plans um, the ASPCA has, I know, plans that begin at, at as little as $5 per pet per month. 
So, and and again, I also understand that even five or ten dollars a month can be a real struggle for people who are living on very tight budgets, and especially now as we are coming out of of the end of a period with historically high unemployment due to COVID. Um, that these are not easy questions, but I would encourage you to, to make a contingency plan for a situation like the one that I faced with Clayton, where it's a very treatable condition and a very young cat, and there's just no question that if you can find the money, you should spend it. But I do also want to emphasize that if, you know, again, if if you are told that your cat has a, a treatment that is le- where there are fewer guarantees and it's a little bit later in your cat's life, you are allowed to say, I cannot spend this much money. I don't have it. I don't want to borrow it. I don't want to gamble my my housing or my family's future. I have other cats who also have needs. I don't want to spend $5,000 on one cat and then be unable to house or feed or or care for the other cats in my house, certainly the human family members. I just really want to emphasize this, that if if our cats could be made to understand these questions, if 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 we could have a 24-hour period where we could just talk to our cats the way we can talk to people and they could tell us how what they think and we could explain to them what we think, I promise you, your cat would not want you to jeopardize your own well-being or your family's well-being for their to solve a problem that they don't really know that they have, if that makes any sense. We know that our cats are sick. We know that their time is limited. They do not know that. And they, I, I have to believe that the one thing none of our cats who love us would want would be to see us suffer, just like we can't stand to see them suffer. So I, I, I hope that this has given everyone a little something to think about. And I only bring this up because it really does break my heart when I get letters from people that say things like, I, I chose not to spend $3,000 on cancer treatment for my cat a few years ago, and I've never stopped feeling guilty about it. Please, please stop feeling guilty about it. I, I promise you, your cat did not go to the grave with anything but love for you in his heart because you loved your cat and you made your cat feel happy and loved and safe every day of his life, which again is your only job, not to guarantee him a certain span of years, not to guarantee a certain amount of money will be spent to achieve that span of years, just the love. The love is what's important, the love and the care that goes into the day-to-day of making a good life for your cat and with your cat. And again, ultimately, these are all very individual decisions. They are decisions that that need to be made considering your circumstances and also your cat circumstances, just like we made very different treatment decisions for all three of our cats, not even based really so much on the money, but on the personalities of the cats. There are always going to be so many factors that come into play when making these decisions. But the one thing that I would encourage all of you is is to have faith in yourself and in the decisions you make and not to beat yourselves up after the fact for the things you did or didn't do. Because I, if you are the kind of person who's feeling that guilty about it, then I'm really very confident that you are exactly the kind of person who gave your cat an amazing life, whether that life was long or short. All of it was amazing because it was lived with you. 
And that is where I am going to leave us with this week's episode of Curl Up with a Cattail. Next week, we will be talking with New York Times bestselling author and renowned naturalist Cy Montgomery. I'm very, very excited about that. So until then, have a wonderful week and thanks so much for listening. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.